We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. what's good everybody welcome back to veterans minimum my guest today some have coined him the woke white boy of culture hub <laughs> my guy conrad hoyt conrad what's up brother how are you what's going on nick i'm doing well man i appreciate you having me on today we got a lot to talk about that's for sure dude us two started tweeting at each other yesterday over this clippers <laughs> nuggets game and then i was just like fuck it man i kind of need a guess for tomorrow let, let, hold it off until the the pod you know what i'm saying and now we're here yeah it's uh it kind of worked out perfectly even people that that saw this this clippers collapse from falling down 3-1 i don't think people were picking against them to lose that game last night and so really i mean just in general it just kind of exposed the biggest curse in sports right now maybe and just also how great the play the nba playoffs have been so far that's what i'd say dude i'm i'm looking at our conversation and you mentioned that too the greatest curse in sports at first i was saying nah he might be living in the moment he's probably just wilding right now but then i started looking into it and they've never made a conference finals bro the clippers that is never never Well, I don't even know if they made it, and uh, this could be a quick search maybe, when they were the Buffalo Braves or the, uh, I mean, what were they, the San Diego Clippers. I don't think they made it then either. And so even if you just take it from when they've been in Los Angeles, that's since 84, 85, that's uh, that's 35 years. So, I mean, we could get into a ton here, but uh, 
Yeah, nah, I say I say that's exactly what we do, dude. I think you need to look at this and, and we're going to show a lot of love to the Nuggets. I know me and my buddy Impy, who I used to do the VMNBA show with, we were we were pro Nuggets like two years ago, bro. I remember we really? hammered entering entering. I think it was 2018, the year that they missed the playoffs by like a half game. Right. They played the Timberwolves for that They played final. the Timberwolves for the play. That's right. Yeah. That's right. The next year, they were like plus 180 to make the playoffs. And that was, uh, I remember Impy and I were just like, yo, bro, we should hammer that because th- that's when they signed Millsap too. And I'm kind of right, a sucker right. for the, the aging veteran going on a young team there. Yes, and so we've yes. been basically, long story short, because I don't want to get too sidetracked, We've been kind of pro Clippers on the show for a while now. Pro Nuggets, yes. Nuggets, yes. Nuggets, my bad. Yes, yes. Thank you for the correction there. But I want to I want to open up with the Clippers because this is the second time that they blow a 3-1 lead in recent memory in the playoffs. The 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 Rocket series a couple of years back mm-hmm. in 2015 where I thought that Clippers team might have been the best team in the league. That was like I- the last great all NBA level Blake Griffin season. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Jordan was still getting after it. Chris Paul was still look. Chris Paul, what he did with the Thunder was tremendous this year. But this is five years ago. It's a completely different Chris Paul we're talking about. Was was that the year? I think that also might have been the year where in the first round they beat the Spurs in seven. So the Spurs came off the chip in 2014, right? Mm-hmm. And so this might have been the year right after Chris Paul makes that like sweeping, uh, flailing like shot shot up off the glass to beat the Spurs, I think. And so then they go up 3-1 on this Rockets team that, right, it was Harden and, and Howard, but they didn't really get along. Heard that before with Harden or heard that since. And uh, I had money on them in that series. I was supremely confident, and it was shaping up to be them against the Warriors and then just collapse. Like, pathetic is the word that comes to mind. Well, that was the uh, Josh Josh Smith <laughs> and, and, like, Corey Brewer-led <laughs> Rockets in the fourth quarter. Right. And you're looking at that shit, and you're like, yo, what the fuck is happening? Yo, Josh Smith actually posted a tweet off the collapse they had last night. I got to bring this up. Yeah, pull it uh, up. But 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 while 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 you're looking that up, dude. Yeah, so that's that's 2015, and then fast forward to this. I, I got a bunch of questions that I have thoughts on, and I would love to get your yes. thoughts as well. I want to start off with this. Is it how much of this are you putting on Kawhi? Kawhi being a part of this, Kawhi did not show up to the level that we've come accustomed to seeing Kawhi show up. Personally, Conrad, and tell me if it's fair. I'm giving him a pass, bro. And the reason Ooh. why I'm giving him a pass is because he's delivered every other time he's been in this situation. If this is the one black eye on his playoff resume, I get it's bad in a game in which you're an eight-point favorite as well. And everybody was betting on the Clippers to advance and to win the series still. For me, bro, I think he's built up enough clout and a resume of success where he dominated the the Heat teams, right? Even the year in which Ray Allen hits a three and they lose, that was a very that was a young Kawhi, and he played well in that series. Then he's uh, NBA Finals MVP. Then he carried the Raptors to a championship last year, and then even this year he was the best player on that Clippers team. And sure, he completely no shows. I'm not gonna doubt, not gonna debate that. I should say. But to me, bro, it's not like if this was James Harden, if this was Westbrook, Paul George even, I'm slandering the shit out of you. But since it's Kawhi, since it's Kawhi for me personally, and I know I might be in the minority here, the if I had to do a pie chart of the level of blame on whether it's coach or players or whatever, mm-hmm. Kawhi is not the biggest piece for me. Okay. First, I think that's a good question to start off with because it doesn't even get into how much trash they've talked all year because that has nothing to do with Kawhi. He wasn't the one doing it. It really comes down to him and Doc, I think. Mm. It became clear that when Mantras Harrell was on the court against Jokic, he was getting burned. The plus minus there was, was horrid for Harrell. Harrell and Lou Williams, two, the, the past two six-man-of-the-year winners, they had another good year, but this is but this is where you see when the regular season 
comes out. When you have a seven-game series and you can hunt on defense, those guys can't play. To, to get into Kawhi, he certainly has built up respect for himself. So 2013 finals, there's that, there was that video that went around of LeBron seeing him check, seeing Kawhi check in. He's like, fuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's clear he's elite defensively at that year. The next year, Wade is injured, but whatever. He defends LeBron very well and deservingly wins the MVP. But Tim Duncan is the leader of that team. Fast forward a couple years to last year. Kyle Lowry is the leader of that team. We've seen the guts, the gunction, the respect that the Raptors rightfully deserve this year. And so, I mean, people have made the analogy that that Kawhi like goes to work, he he punches his time card, he clocks out, and he goes home to people he really enjoys hanging out with, you know, his family. And so, and so that's to say that, you know, I think he deserves a lot of slander. One, because he built the team essentially by making them trade for Paul George. And I could make the, and I will make the argument that they would be better suited if they had Gallinari and Gilgis Alexander and picks to throw next year instead of Paul George. I have, I have a, a counter on that because that was like the hot button, hot take everyone was doing throughout the playoffs whenever Paul George would have his woes in the playoffs people are like yo who won that trade right my counter to that is do the Clippers even get Kawhi if they don't make that trade because the way I look at it Conrad is but then Kawhi deserves blame for that sure sure but the way I look at that trade is not all those pieces for Paul George it's all those pieces for Paul George and Kawhi which I'm doing. It's true. I'm also someone, I don't know if you know this, bro, but I'm someone where I'm giving up draft picks for established stars because how many guys are taken in the top five and then they're either off the team after their rookie contract or they're just role players, right? They become like Mario Hazonja. And they're just guys that are He's like awful. the yeah the eighth night that might be a stretch yet because he is pretty bad. But it was picked fifth or something. That's what I'm saying. Like it's I rather even if it's a lottery pick, bro. And and as the years are going on, you're seeing guys slip in the draft. Like, you know, it was like Booker, Mitchell, even mm-hmm. Tyler Harrell, Giannis are all going in the team. So that's just how I feel about draft picks. Well, that just goes to the fundamental question, though, or the fundamental point of this that it's not completely on Kawhi, but you know, people get on LeBron when he when he builds the team, right? They say LeBron's the GM, and LeBron has now been living years with – he's he's not sneaking up on anybody. Last year, the Raptors slightly snuck up. On, I mean, especially they fall behind to the Bucks last year, 2-0. They win it. Uh, we could talk about the injuries in the finals. So just the fundamental question of whether Kawhi deserves the blame, like you said, it's he's done enough that this – that this stain isn't what it is to Paul George, where Paul George essentially is kind of a laughing stock. You see Dame Lillard getting those tweets off last night, CJ McCollum. Uh, this is a good time to bring up the Josh Smith, sorry, Instagram post of what it was. Posted a picture of him, uh, his left arm out, you know, he was, ma- he was splashing all those threes, a historically bad three-point shooter. He, he uh, captioned it. We've seen this movie before. In fact, I wrote the script. Hashtag buy doc. <laughs> hashtag the three one bum Oof. so just coming down to i don't think i don't think Kawhi deserves all the blame but it is clear he does not have the leadership intangibles that this team needed and you know when when you have the expectations different than in years past you it's different, right? It's different. Denver had no expectations and that played a part in the series. So I don't know what you think about that. Doc well, deserves most of the blame. Yeah, right? Lou Williams, I thought, was unplayable in that. And that's like, I mean, maybe that series as a whole. But one issue I had with the Clippers all year round, and yeah, I did, I kind of fell for the trap of the, the on paper team. You just right. look at the names and you're like, yo, this team got the most talent. And I still, 
I, I still think if they run this series back 10 times, like this might be the only time that the Clippers end up losing. But I think the one issue that really stems from all this with the Clippers is at no point during the regular season and even in the playoffs, did they know who their best five was? And I think one thing with the Clippers is I was saying this from the beginning. The only time I would push back on them is, yo, who on this team is an established big game playoff guy? Mm. And everyone would tell me Kawhi. And that's it. That's it. And if you look at it, bro, by accident, dude, by accident, I was talking with my buddy Nick uh, on a show we were doing a couple, maybe like a month ago. And oh, it was during the the Maverick series okay. with the Clippers. So like what three, four weeks ago? Anyway, yeah, yeah. I randomly just was like, I'm a big eye test guy. Like that's my favorite thing. I, I respect analytics and all that, but you know, my thing, the way I measure Only teams so is far. last four minutes of the game, you're down 105, 90, oh, you're you're down 105, 100, and it's game five on the road. Who's your five? Like your crunch time five, your big five. And with the Clippers, I just started going on a rain. I'm like, yo, I feel as if Paul George no shows a lot of playoff games. And I start going through the game log. And like, I, even if you give him a pass on his first two years in Indiana, it's like for every 30 point game he has in the playoffs, one for eight, two for 11, yeah. uh, four of 15, and then 42 points. But then the next right. game, just two of 17. And it's, it was rather alarming for me, man, all year with him. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, 35 points, worst plus minus on the team. <laughs> like, like, how does this stuff even – five points against against rookie Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles and they, uh, in a closeout game, and they lose. You know, at a certain point, you, you got to ask the question. Uh, you know, Paul George is suspect off that. But I got to read the stats of Kawhi Leonard – here, um, uh, you know, Nick Wright, big Laker homer, LeBron homer. Oh, yeah. Was all, yeah. It was kind of he's, – he's making a mockery now and saying how he was the only one kind of against the Clippers all year. But just let's just uh, let this simmer for a second. Kawhi Leonard against the Nuggets this past series, West Semis. First half, 14.1 points per game, 56% from the field, 47% from three. Second half, 10 points per game, 31 field goal percentage, 27 from three-point percentage. And just the fourth quarter, five points per game, 27 field goal percentage, 33 three-point percentage. And him and Paul George combined for zero points in the fourth last night. I mean, that was, it, was a, it was abysmal watching them fall behind 20 in game seven. Abysmal. I mean, that's one of the biggest collapses possibly in, in sports. You uh you mentioned you betting on the Clippers many years back, so yeah, this this is a big conversation, and this is gonna move you up my uh, power rankings as far as people <laughs> I know. Are you are you into gambling? Are you a degenerate? No, I'm no. not into it, but I do follow it in terms of because I think it's interesting. Okay, uh, and I will make a bet. Uh, for example, I mean, get right into where you want to go after this. We don't have to touch on the Lakers, but I would bet a lot of money on the Lakers these next two series. Put it yeah. that way. If I feel very confident, I'll make a bet. Yeah. All right. Because the reason why I asked that is <laughs> there got to be a 30 for 30 being put together to investigate that game seven because that looked like point shaving to me, bro. You're talking about last seven, night. Se- yeah. Seven minutes without a field goal? Six, seven minutes? It was something ridiculous. Dang, game. I didn't know that. Ridiculous. It was something crazy. It just looked as if shots are going off the backboard. Jamichael uh, Green is taking threes. Guys are – there was one play, and I know it was late in the game, and they were down 16 or 18 points at the time, but there's like two minutes left, and Kawhi gets stripped, and the Nuggets are going back on a 3-0 uh, run. I remember that. And, and they all just stopped. They all just stopped running. Yeah. And then it was like, yo, it's a wrap. That looks mm-hmm. – talk about, like, going out on your shield and then talk about just going out, not giving a fuck. That's exactly right. what that was. Well, who was even the – I mean, Jermichael Green – for as a role player, he might have been the best player on the floor for them last night. Him and Patrick Beverly were the only ones who seemed up for the game. I mean, Kawhi had 14, what, and like eight for 26. Paul George had 10 points. Lou Williams, Montrez, or Montrez got his buckets, but 
he's unplayable against him. You know, a, a really interesting conversation. We don't have to necessarily dive too deep into it now, but a really, really interesting conversation is how important it is to have the star guard or wing and then the four or five big man. Mm. Because like we're seeing that when a big man is versatile, forget the small ball. That doesn't matter. AD, Jokic, Bam out of bio right now. Screw it. Daniel Tice is is doing up is is making is making it work for the Celtics and they're they're long already. But yeah, I mean I mean well maybe this is a good tie-in to uh to the ECF, but I watched Jimmy Butler hit those two big shots, especially the one in OT, and then bam swallow up that block. And I'm like, that's some LeBron AD stuff where where one player gets the game winning shot and the other one gets the game winning stop. Mm. So for a team to have those two cornerstones and really all year, the Clippers didn't have it. I mean, if you start Jamichael, Jamichael Green at the five, maybe you got the shooting and decent defense. Kawhi can, can shift over in the paint to block a shot, but they didn't have anyone to match up for AD. And realistically, they wouldn't have anyone to match up for Bam out of bio either. And obviously they didn't have anyone to match up for Jokic. Well, I don't even think we need to go into the ECF yet because I think what your what your personal preference is is also mine as far as having the star guard and the versatile big. And that's exactly what Denver has. Yeah. The last thing I want to say about the Clippers is if you're struggling from the field and Kawhi was six of twenty two and Paul George was four of sixteen. That's 10 for 38. How do you have one free throw attempt? For as much as I hate James Harden's game over the years, I used to be, dude, I'll still die on this hill. He was the MVP of the year that Russ won MVP because of a triple-double yeah. shit. I did not yeah. like it. I still don't like it. I also had some financial investment on it, so wow. I might be a little biased. But also... If you just look at the facts afterwards, Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double the following two seasons as well right? and became less and less of an MVP candidate. Shows so, the arbitrary nature of it. And exactly, the, dude. And it comes back to this. Us, us two are, are guards in the NBA. You have 14, 13, and 12. I have 38, 10, and 6. Who had the better game? It's an arbitrary number. It's a triple-double. Yeah, you got yeah. a triple-double. I played a better game than you. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's a fantastic question about the free throws. I, James Harden gets to the line. When he's struggling from the field, he's going to get to the line 10 to 15 times. Like if you're mm-hmm. Anthony George, Davis too, man. Yeah, I think a lot of elite scorers get to the line, and that's a way to get cheap buckets, keep the game close. You stop momentum because there's yeah. a stoppage and you t- got to take free throws. But as I looked at the box score – when you're shooting 10 of 38, give me at least like 12 to 15 free throw attempts. Would completely change the game. And especially when you're guys that are aggressive and get to the hoop. Yep. Yeah, it, you know, that's the weird part about Paul George too is that you watch his game like he's so silky smooth. The way he can, the way he can, I mean, it's similar to Kawhi to kind of hit the hop step and, and get into the paint and like hang in the air and then make that and one, right? It's like, you know, and I'm not trying to say this in a really like wicked way, but there's this, it seems like there's something mental with him. I mean, these are, he's a wide open three at the end of that game and he hits the side of the backboard. It's like he can't live up to the moment and he's, and he's scared or just, or he just gets, some feeling in his bones and i wonder if it was Kawhi too the fact that they didn't get those free throws is is that is it a lack of desire is it fear because Jokic, for how great he is his greatness isn't known as an elite shot blocker so you can't Mm -hmm. say it's fear in that regard for them right i have no answer besides besides apathy why they weren't getting into the paint well, you know, you, you bring up a good point about the, the mental stuff with Paul George because a report came out sometime last week that he was struggling being in the bubble. Really? And, yeah, there was – and, you know, people people were – it's weird, right? People feel as if just because you're an athlete and you make millions of dollars that you're, you're not consumed by issues like that. Like, oh, how can 
this guy's making millions. How can it affect him? Well, you know, in the end of the day, they're also humans as well. And as someone who has had his own issues with mental health stuff and whatnot, at its core, bro, it might be social media too, right? Like, uh, well, playoff P and and they're just cutting his ass. Like if I was in Paul George's inner circle right now, I'd be like, yo fam, you know what? Give me your phone. Yeah. Let's, let's hide these apps. Stay off social media for a little bit. Right. Way off P was a meme that I saw pandemic today. Which I P. Pandemic mm-hmm. P. So well, last night ain't helping. That's what I'm Two, saying. Three Cancun. Though, and, and yo, that's why that's why I'm giving more of a pass to Kawhi Leonard when I'm doing the pie chart of blame here, because Kawhi has at least shown me in big spots. He could come through. We're like, this is a consistent thing. I forgot how the saying right. goes, but it's like once is an accident, twice is a problem three times is a trend and mm. it's like this is a trend with him right why yeah. i think this was just an accident this was just a slip-up situation i'm supposed to i hate this like culture that we're in now bro where one one game is supposed to eliminate the decade-long success you've had mm-hmm. same shit going into the nfl people were tweeting at me about mitchell trubisky on sunday where he made that a crazy <laughs> fourth quarter comeback yeah and it's like that's supposed to eliminate the three years of trash that I've seen from him. Yeah. No, I'm not going to overreact to that. Yeah, so he's had how, good games. They made the playoffs that first or second year, right? So, sure, his his first year with Nagy, they make the playoffs, but it's also he was being protected a lot by him. Yeah. They didn't really unleash the playbook with him. But no, I, I meant to, I'm, I just meant on. it in the sense that he's had good games before. You're right. When it mattered, he didn't have a good game. Yeah, and that's where I'm trying to get at the difference between Paul George and Kawhi for me personally is I've seen Kawhi in big spots, and yeah. he's delivered. I've seen Paul George in big spots, and he's he's looked like a rotation guy. Yeah. Uh, it's, Paul George has been around for a while now because I remember well those Indiana Pacers series, which the NBA is so great because everything has its relation. I mean, the whole, the whole Doc Rivers and – and uh, Paul George was dating his girlfriend and, you know, knocked up a stripper. And that stripper mm. is now his wife. Uh, you know, I'm saying it how it is. I'm not uh, not making oh, yeah, false a, labels. Yeah. yeah. And that Frank, but Frank Vogel was Paul George's coach. 13 and 14, they make the conference finals and give LeBron and the Heatles a run for their money. But, but what does it say? It's coming back to leadership again. That's David West, one of the one of the you know toughest guys this league has seen Roy Hibbert big man in the middle uh Lance Stevenson I I honestly think Frank Vogel is a good leader because he knows how to talk to players he he Mm. knows how to put players in their roles um it is very very strange how Paul George had had that right and under the tutelage of David West and seeing success early in his career by making these conference finals and getting a game away from the NBA finals and then He's, you know, you could, you could mention the injury, but even before then he was losing in the first round with the Pacers. Yeah. Something's up with Paul George. You know, the, the, I, I want to definitely dive into the Nuggets now because they deserve all the credit in the world as well, because for as bad as it was for the Clippers, a lot of that had to be the Nuggets as well, right? Six and zero in elimination games, first team in NBA history to come back down three, one, not once, but twice. And I thought they were done, bro, because I don't know if you watched that Sports Center segment with Van Pelt after they beat the Jazz, where he tells him. So Scott Van Pelt does the late Sports Center. Right. And he's interviewing Jamal Murray. And he tells Murray, yo, you know, what are you, what are you looking ahead at, at Thursday? And this is Tuesday night. And Jamal Murray just goes, oh, we only got one day off. We play Thursday. Ooh. And he was just like, and that was like a real authentic moment. Like, yo, bro, we just battled back from three, one down game seven. Now we got to play the Clippers who have had like six days off or five days off. So I thought they were done then. Jamal Murray also, I need to apologize to him because there's two players in my life. I've been completely wrong on Robert Woods in the NFL when he was in Buffalo and he left the Bills, Conrad, I was like, there's no way this guy should be making $9 million a year. I thought he was a guy that shouldn't have gotten a second contract in Buffalo. Goes to the Rams, and he's become one of my favorite wide receivers in the league, both from route running, 
durability, blocking. Like he does a lot of like, I'm not going to compare him to Larry Fitzgerald, but he's a very high IQ wide receiver. Does a lot of the dirty work that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. And he can okay. fill up the stat sheet as well. He's got well. his kind of slot, quick game like Larry. Yeah, the underneath stuff with him. He's very reliable. So Robert Woods is one, and then Jamal Murray. Because Jamal Murray, I, I coined it the Jamal Murray, where it's a player when, when you're watching him one day, you think he could be a super max top five player at his position. Right. But then there's other days similar to Paul George, where like, you know, two for 17 or yep. even just like a 14-point game. And man, you know, at this point, maybe it could have been, I could have been a little too harsh on him because he was a young guy, right? What is yeah. he, 23, 24 years old still, 25 at most? This, yeah, this has got to be his maybe fifth year in the league, so nothing. So, and now, like, he's, he's found his role and he's justifying that big money that they gave him in the offseason. I remember when, when they handed him that bag, and this is when, if I'm not mistaken, this is when, um, Ben Simmons got his money, and so you know, no one, no one's, no one was talking that that Ben Simmons shouldn't have got that money. But were people saying it about Jamal Murray? Hell yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Nuggets, they really just, they really do deserve their shine. I mean, even if we're not gonna, even if, even forgetting the the aspect of these comebacks, just the way they operate, Jamal Murray, superstar combo guard. I I think it's fair enough to say that he's. He's star superstar level now, and Jokic, as the big man kind of, kind of leader, the the two man game where they're running around and it's not Jokic only, uh, only uh, setting a pick for for Murray. It's the other way around too, and that opens up Jokic's game and the difficult off his right leg fall away shots Jokic makes, and you know, we we could get into Michael Porter Jr.'s comments that that one time, but. His offensive game, besides that big shot in uh, in game five, maybe game six, that offensive game really opened up things for them to to find a third score when Gary Harris was injured and wasn't shooting the ball well. Jeremy Grant, Torrey Craig are really good defensive players, but you can't necessarily bank on them on offense. Paul Millsap got going, but they kind of needed that. And just just the way that team is designed – and hats off to Michael Malone because I think he's got to you got to put him after this series you got to put him in that top top tier of coaches in the in the league. Yeah, I agree with you about Malone, and I think he brought up a really good point. And as you look at this Nuggets Nuggets team, it's obvious that the more talented squad was the Clippers, but continuity prevailed in this series, and I think that's something very important. Yeah, where. You know, Conrad, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a fantastic rec league quarterback. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, the boy could sling. <laughs> but I'm really good when I play with the guys I've been playing since I was 16 years old. If you were to hit right. me up and be like, yo, you want to come quarterback for me on Sunday? I'm not going to be at that same level that I play with my friends because I know how he runs. I know the timing yeah. there. I know who I'm comfortable with going on third down occasions and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that you look over here where the Clippers kind of just got thrown together with a lot of talent. But like the Nuggets, this has been their core for five years now. It has. Craig, Millsap, maybe not the whole five years, but Millsap, Craig, Harris, Murray, Jokic. Michael Malone. A guy like Grant who has played in playoff games as well. And you're just looking at this team and – and sure, the, the, the Porter Jr. stuff was – it was an extra because when you drafted that dude and he had all these issues with his back, you're like, yo, whatever I could get out of him, that's a gift. But I mm-hmm. think continuity prevailed in this series, and that's something where I think that matters, man. I think that really matters when you're looking at some of these teams, right? The Celtics, they've had pretty much the same core the last couple of years, and then they add a guy like Kemba Walker to sort of get them – you can't even say over the hump because they were in their ECF – not too long ago. Yeah. Do you agree with that, with the continuity thing? I do. I do. It's me. It, how about after I say this point, we could get into the heat because the heat is different. All the new players they brought on and all these young guys. I think there's something to be said uh, about the bubble kind of allowing for the fear for these young guys, maybe to not get out, get at them because of the crowd. But yeah, I mean, they they took flyer. They took a flyer on Michael Porter Jr. They took a flyer on Bull Bull because they're in the position to do so with this core that they know that they knew was on the rise, that they knew 
yeah, that he knew that they knew that they were only getting better. And uh, I mean, yeah, continuity definitely means means everything. The Clippers were load managing during the year. It was very clear when they were having their issues that it was largely stemming from chemistry issues. And, you know, they shot. It sounds a bit more nefarious than it necessarily was, but I mean, the Clippers are trying to cheat the system to a ex- certain extent. Let's get to the playoffs. Kawhi is going to lead us there. You know, we've got we've got a we've got a solid team, but you know, let's just get to the playoffs and then we'll worry about it. They're load managing. They're they're talking trash that they already were a dynasty. And here comes this this Denver team. Feel like they got something to prove. Every single series of Murray and Jokic's career has gone seven now, last year and this year together, and. The Nuggets showed that you're playing the team game that you're going to win nine times out of ten. Series-wise, at least. I think uh, I think you're absolutely right about continuity. Man, I Again, it even, brings up the heat. But yeah, I didn't even think about that with Murray and Jokic playing all these game sevens. Yeah, last year, first round Spurs, second round Trailblazers. Lost, obviously. And then this year, I mean, when they fell down to Utah, I was like, I I didn't Weird, give Utah right? much chance. And hell no, I didn't. With if if Bogdanovich was playing, I may have said Jazz in seven, Nuggets in seven. But I would I was thinking Nuggets five six without him being there. I mean, you were right. And then it just kind of like seemed like they figured out Mitchell in that series because he was the only guy that could get a they bucket. Did. Yep, exactly. I mean, the, Gobert, get out of here. <laughs> you know. I find it interesting how quickly we get off guys because of bad playoff performances. And and I'm guilty of that too. Jokic yeah. has always been this guy though. What Jokic did yesterday, like he's always been doing this. He's that big, slow white dude that plays at the YMCA that kind of <laughs> just like plays 1970s basketball and surprises you with his athleticism because you just judge him by by its cover you judge a book by yeah. its cover but he's always been that like 25 10 and 8 guy mm-hmm. yeah the, well, i remember the nuggets had uh the nuggets had Jokic and nurkic so nurkic is also a really high quality big for portland and they had both of them and they knew Jokic was better and they knew Jokic was going to even get better and so they traded Nurkic and that's where they winded up with Plumlee but the fact that they took Jokic second round I mean it's possible he, well, he might have even been picked in the 50s there is certainly an argument to be made that he's the best passing big man of all time and people have made that and there's another argument to be made that you know he's the best big man in the game and that he's a winner He's shown us nothing otherwise, I'd say, that he's anything other than a winner. And and we haven't even talked about the fact that he shed like 15 mm-hmm. to 25 pounds uh, in the in the pandemic months, the heavy pandemic months. Um, then again, he's still so burly that you can't take the ball from him. Yeah. He knows how to position his body in the post when he's sweeping around and stuff that you can't take the ball off him. And if you double... He's the best pass. He's the second best passer in the game besides LeBron to me. I think the one thing that's going to come out of this playoff season, the last thing we'll say about this, and then I definitely want to dive into the Heat and Celtics as we close up the show. Murray's twenty three, Jokic is twenty five, and I know we might be in the moment, but might be the two best building blocks moving forward in the league. No, if you could start an under. 25 team and you could take two players from from a team like how many go before these two probably none so i think you're right you the the guys you look at Giannis is either 25 26 but that's out that's out now and and also there's the no other one number, is the mavericks there's no other guy that you would take that fits that under 25 on that like who, who's the, no, the second not. best player there is what middleton and he's yeah he's 30 so right there's the, the only, there's the luca and kp yeah but then with kp you got all these issues with ankles and knees mm-hmm. and backs and all that shit where he doesn't he doesn't stand up 
I will say if there's a free agent these next two years, possibly Giannis, uh, you've, you have something to build with Luca that is a dynasty in the making. Mm-hmm. And I think that can lead us to Miami because Miami is building something too. Bam Adebayo is the third best center in the league, in my opinion. He's top five, even if you believe Cat is best at, at third, right? If it goes Jokic and Bede, Bam, Cat. Um, and they've got a leader. And the fact that they got Hero, Nunn, and Robinson. None, ha- none had a COVID scare, so he's been quieter. And that's why Dragic has really popped off. But, man, they got these three guys for nothing. Mm-hmm. Listen, that's an organization that's always going to be competitive and they're always going to make a move. And it's just the culture there in Miami. Yeah. I know it's Riley, but I think when you look at Spolstra and they win game one and and one of the better uh, games of the playoffs that goes into overtime. And then you have the iconic bam block, which let's not get crazy. It's not better than LeBron's block. I don't think so either. Yeah, it's not because that's game seven, a minute left on the clock. On the road, yeah, down three. Like, like he could have you, given up on the play, like the Clippers did that you mentioned earlier. You know, yeah, like but when you take everything into account, that's that's the greatest block I think in NBA history. But this yeah. one's this one's close to it too, man. Meeting him at the rim like that, the ball full extension, the balls to just go up and be like, "Yo, fuck that." And as you can tell, <laughs> man, I do have a, a soft spot for the Heat. I love me the three hundred five for other reasons. I'll remain. Outside of the podcast, Conrad, I don't want to get okay. too much Okay, I was going to trouble. ask. So. <laughs> but, dude, I think that series is going to be super competitive. I can't believe Tatum got that shot off. <laughs> right? Uh, like, how crazy that, that was absolutely insane. Catches that he like, almost made that shot. Catches it like Randy Moss, lands on the ground, gets up, and almost made that too. Mm-hmm. Oh man. But yo, they the Heat always if they have a down year, it's because they're gearing up for something. Even when they had Wade, right? Like that the year before LeBron got there, it's like I don't want to say tank the season, but you know, they weren't a playoff team. And then all of a sudden they get Bosch and, and LeBron, right? right. Last couple of years. They've kind of like been drafting these projects and bam. And, you know, they're getting these like older vets like Dragic and then they sign Jimmy Butler. And then you hit on the draft with Tyler Hero. You get a Duncan Robinson. You get none also who I believe none was undrafted. He was in the Warriors camp and they just let him go. Yeah. So it's like the infrastructure there is just so stable from ownership to Pat Riley to Spolstra, who I think this playoffs has, you mentioned Mike Malone. I think Spolstra is back in that tier again, too, where when he first took over the job in Miami with, with Wade and Bosch and LeBron, it's like, ah, he's the puppet. He's Riley's puppet. Yeah. Right. And he was overrated. And then the years after LeBron leaves, it's like, yo, he kind of kept them respectable. They made the playoffs a couple times. And then he would be like NBA Twitter's like, yo, you know, who's a dope coach, underrated coach Spolstra. And then now Sex. this year, it's like, he's back to where he belongs as a, he's a premier coach in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spolstra isn't even one of the, uh, he, he, he certainly looks like he's in his forties. I think he's probably in his, his, his young fifties. Now he has been, you know, pe- people are surprised with how long he's kind of been coaching them, you know? And mm-hmm. let's say this, I'll say this part. You're not, I don't care that you have LeBron Wade and Bosch. You're not beating that Spurs team if you don't have a great coach when they beat him in 2013, realizing that he had to push Bosch out to the five and the emergence isn't necessarily the right word, but the usefulness of Battier and Mike Miller, these, these wings that could be used at the four, which is basically what Crowder and Iguodala are that are for them right now. He is an exceptional coach and the short list is certainly pop Malone, Stevens and Spolstra. Um, and so three, three of those four are in it right now. I don't know if there's a, there's probably a couple coaches I'm forgetting, but uh, he deserves, he deserves all his flowers. I love Spolstra that. does. I love the flowers thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right, man. I would throw like Steve Kerr in there as well too. Steve Kerr, yes. Yeah, you mentioned for forgetting. We do. We we're all guilty of it, where we kind of live in the moment too much. Yeah. Man, how do you think this series plays out? Are you are you counting out Boston? Are you still like, how do you how do you think this this Heat Celtics series plays out? I am not counting out the Celtics at all. I had a friend who's a diehard Celtics fan. You know, text me. He's like, oh, you know, the Celtics really could have gotten this one. I I worry that it's like you know, so demoralizing this, this game one loss. And, and I couldn't think differently than that, even though I fully believe that the heat deserved to win. And I'm not even a fan of this guy, but Marcus smart is a winner. I mean, that game seven against Toronto, he just knew where to be and knew what to do to get his team, the ball and get them the W. So with him as one of the leaders, I think Kemba is going to have one game where he really goes off. He he needs one. It's been a little while. Jalen Brown didn't have a good game. I think this one, I think this one goes the distance to seven. And if I had to predict right now, I would say it's a heat Lakers final. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, you, you know, if the Lakers get to the finals, I think there's compelling storylines across the board. Celtics Lakers rivalry. Mm-hmm. You already know that they're going to be showing packages of Magic and Bird and yes, you know, sir. Kobe, Kobe year too. and Pierce. And then on the flip side, you got LeBron going up against a team that won him championships, helped win him championships in Miami. And yep. his, his relationship with Pat Riley. Yeah. And I think there's one thing really, really interesting about Jimmy Butler is I don't know where you have him in your top players list. And I'm not going to ask you to give me that. Yeah. But he carries himself like a guy who is the best player in the league. Like, he thinks he's on these guys' levels, and he doesn't back down. Yeah. And I think that's that's the dog in him. That's the, you know, you, you take a look at some of the players that Miami has. It's a lot of Kentucky guys. It's a lot of Marquette guys. <laughs> and it's it's like maybe Kentucky might be a bad example because they are a powerhouse. But, like, Marquette is always, like, underlooked yep and you know jay crowder going up against a team that he knows really well in boston jimmy butler wade went to marquette too you know so it's like yep. there's something about the, the, the pedigree of the way butler carries himself that i find really really intriguing moving forward there, there truly is you know tons of tons of stuff has come from this playoffs that isn't even just hot takes like the fact of player rankings has been thrown for a whirl. I mean, if mm. you had Giannis one, you're thinking about that right now, right? If you had Paul George top eight, you're thinking about that right now. If you didn't have Jokic in your top 10, you're thinking about that right now. And it's the same with Jimmy Butler. I mean, yeah, He's he's not necessarily going to average 25 and very unlikely 27 plus in a series, but is he a top 10 player because of what he's doing right now? I think I think definitely, and uh, you know the the slightly underdog mentality that you that you put out there I think is a good point whether that's from college or whether it's just from the start of the year that come on. People didn't have Miami get into the finals. The Sixers fans that were bitter at Butler leaving are like, you know, have fun, have fun in the sun. You're gonna have an extra long vacation. Boom, the Sixers are out, crying. Heat is still in it. It's uh, it's been absolutely fascinating in an otherwise kind of bleak time right now where we need sports. Mm. And I don't know if you if you want to close on a on a certain. Uh, NBA topic, or if you wanted to talk about week one NFL, we, we have been going for a while here, but uh, I could, man. No, nah, we can we can save the NFL talk for a different time just because I really enjoyed the conversation about the NBA. Um, I want to just give a couple of shout outs quick, and then I want to I want to ask you about some of the stuff going over at uh, Culture Hub. Uh, big ups to Orvica, Derek Pleates, Corey Johnson Hoops, Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, and my guy, Bill's Mafia's very own, Ryan Pisner. Thank you, members of the Patreon. And as well, we got some new folks jumping on board. Michael Cummings, 
thank you so much for joining the Patreon and my guy, Alex Harden, as well. Guys, for as little as one American dollar, it can go a long way to supporting the brand. Some of the extra content you can get for as little as five American dollars a month. Uh, one step closer to getting the studio. And you guys have no idea what's going to be happening over there. Uh, a fiesta is an understatement. With that being said, Conrad Hoyt, my guy, always, always showing love, spreading love. Tell me a little bit about this Culture Hub stuff that you got over there. I got to say, man, you're the first person to ever do a write-up on me. So you'll always <laughs> be remembered in the archives of uh, wherever this journey takes us. That's right, man. I, I remember that day fondly, uh, you know, chalking it up with you, me and you for the first time. And so a lot has changed in this month, but, uh, you know, just kind of the the energy of just talking authentically with you is much appreciated, bro. That hasn't changed at all. Culture Hub is, uh, you know, we are a platform for creatives made by creatives. And so whatever anybody's form of creation that they want to exhibit, elicit is, uh, is possible through Culture Hub. And so we are really gearing up kind of as a more well-oiled machine right now than we've ever been, whether that's in sports, in fashion, in, um, in any type of culture. And so, you know, I would say, I would say Culture Hub is all about motivating and especially right now people need to be motivated. And so over these months, as kind of things have ramped up with us at Culture Hub, this has been, this has been keeping me going, man. Um, just kind of seeing uplifting content where otherwise there's not much uplifting going on. So yeah, that's to say, um, I want to give a quick shout out to, a podcast we have created at Culture Hub called Advocate Daily in partnership mm. with a nonprofit called The Gathering for Justice. One, as one example of, of content and just a partnership create, uh, to create, to educate and to motivate youth, specifically of color, we've interviewed 10 tapped in youth of color about uh, systemic issues that are going on right now that we are all very aware of. And so... Uh, we're available on all platforms. Check it out. That is one example of kind of what we're building here at Culture Hub. And uh, as always, Nick, man, I appreciate you having me on. Dude, I want to I want to mention something about you guys over there. And, you know, I take I take pride in things that people take for granted. And uh, CJ and Serge have been nothing but kind to me. And uh, obviously yourself, too, you know, we kind of opened up this conversation with that. But them two in particular, like, guys, when I did that interview with uh, my buddy Gordon, Gordon Hill, former player in the NFL, mm. hell of a podcast and chill. You know, I was going to go all the way into Jersey, like two and a half hours to go and record. And then I kind of just hit up CJ and was like, yo, can I use the office? He's like, yeah, bro, no problem. Just let me block out a time for you. I ended up being there for like three hours. And it was, <laughs> this is literally at like five o'clock as I'm getting ready to go out to Penn Station. It just flashed in front of me that I was right outside your office. So you guys didn't need to do that for me. Um, I didn't do anything for that, like for, for Culture Hub there, but you guys always show love. So it's the least that I could do in return. Mm -hmm. And I do want to mention one thing, man, as we wrap up here. I love this article by one of your guys or, or um, I don't know exactly who it was, but they were talking about why is it so hard for young rappers to make it past 25? And it's one of those things where like, at first you're like, all right, well, who does that, who falls under that? And then you read this article and it's like Tupac, Biggie, Little Peep, uh, XXX, Juice World, yes. uh, Pop Smoke. And, you know, I'm going to keep it real with you, man. I wasn't the biggest Pop Smoke fan, but, you know, he was a New York rapper and he was making noise and he was starting to climb through the ranks and becoming like, you know, he was having this big debut album. And if there's one thing I would say about Culture Hub is you guys, you guys go after these like stories that might not get covered by others. And also you give 
your creators a platform, which I think is big, man. I think it goes a long way to just being like, yo, you want to write some dope shit? Come on board with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. Um, you know, that touches my heart that Serge and CJ did that because that is completely just the the warmth and energy I felt from day one. And so that's really what it's all about, especially especially kind of in these months where where uh, you're stuck at home more, you're stuck looking at a screen. Uh, when you get that when you get that kindness from someone who doesn't need to do a kindness for you, it's uh, it's really something beautiful. Yeah, man, it's been uh, it's been an interesting last couple of months, right? We're like six months into things being kind of altered since this whole COVID scare. And, you know, as I close out now, um, New York has been pretty weird since all of this. And it's just fascinating how things work, where the show is doing the best it's ever done. And there was no sports for four months. Right. So it, it, it gives, it gave, I took this and everyone took this differently, but I took it as a chance to get creative and think outside the box. Right. Whereas it was, I could either sit there and sulk. And that's always been my attitude on things is try to uh, always evolve and, and always look to change man in a positive way. Like I could just sit right. there and be like, Oh, I don't got work. I don't got this. And what am I going to do with no sports? Or it's like, all right, you spent your 10 minutes being soft. I could say that because I'm talking about myself. So I can't get in trouble with that. It's like, yo, stop being soft and fucking do something, bro. Like, right. This is not that hard. It's just, it's perseverance and being dedicated. So, right. and uh, yeah, that was my, uh, that was my Ted talk folks. If you want to hear more uh, Conrad, once again, you're the man. I appreciate you. Tell us uh, where they can follow you, find you. If you got any new shit cooking up, the floor is yours. Uh, awesome, man. You can follow me, Instagram and Twitter, con, C-O-N underscore H9. And Culture Hub, Culture with a K. Uh, you know, K-U-L-T-U-R-E-H-U-B. That is on all platforms. And uh, I say Advocate Daily is the main thing that I'm really excited about right now, especially... We have an episode coming up with uh, Carmen Perez. Like I mentioned, the uh, nonprofit Gathering for Justice. She's the CEO of that. And she got a chance to speak with one of her mentors, as well as um, someone she has mentored. And so kind of that roundtable discussion of how advocacy works generationally is something really beautiful and something I hope anybody could check out. So Advocate Daily is the name of that podcast again. And Nick, I appreciate you. Is ready to kill. Kill. Homie, go finish your meal. I'm coming for real. Taking that food right off of your grill. Nicky too ill. Can't let a drop of me spill. Clogging the lane. I'm feeling the strain. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. 
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.